Hello and welcome to the Thursday afternoon session of Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. Glad to have you with us today and appreciate you joining in. Uh, this year in 2023, I'm doing two different studies, one on Tuesdays and one on Thursdays. Tuesdays uh, come from uh, Oswald Chambers' wonderful de daily devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. And then on Thursdays, including today, uh, we're looking at a book on the Psalms, uh, the Songs of Jesus, and it's written by Timothy Keller along with his wife, Kathy Keller. And uh, it's a daily devotional book as well. So we're looking at some of the highlights of the week's reading. And this week, as we look at the Keller's book on the Songs of Jesus, we're going to be in uh, four, look at four psalms that are very short, except for one, but that one's not that bad, and we won't read it all. But four uh, psalms, Psalm 10, 11, 12, and 13. Uh, but before I do that, I have to say a happy, happy birthday to my wonderful sister. Uh, the 19th of January is her birthday, and that's today. So happy birthday, Alice. Uh, love you so much, and I'm so thankful for you. Uh, she is a um, just a wonderful blessing in my life and in the lives of so many others, faithful Christian, active in the church, uh, loves her family, and uh, just a uh, just has always been a, a blessing uh, to me and to our brother Wayne. And so uh, happy birthday, Alice. Glad that, uh, uh, hope that you're having a good day in spite of not feeling very well, she told me earlier, but I pray that you're doing better now. Uh, nice to see Eric and Cindy Mosley. Hello. See, you were, you were probably surprised that I actually shouted out to you, but for some reason or another, I don't control these things, but it popped up that you guys were watching. So, hello. I don't get to do that very often, but I love y'all so much. It's wonderful to see you in church with us, and even though I, we don't get to chat, uh, we look forward to those times uh, coming soon. Uh, it, it is wonderful to be with you and to look at these psalms and uh, if you saw my little blurb that talked about what these psalms are about earlier, then uh, it's interesting the way it um, it is because the pervading thought throughout these four psalms, 10, 11, 12, and 13, is how long, Lord, how long are you going to wait to deliver me? If you've ever struggled with uh, looking around and seeing uh, the other people prospering, even though they're not very faithful to God and, and you're suffering, even though you are, uh, and wondering, is it all worth it? And when is God going to act? And uh, doesn't the Bible say that uh, he'll bless those who are, are faithful? Um, the psalmists get it. The psalmists get it. And these four psalms, 10, 11, 12, and 13, uh, ask some of the same questions that we ask sometimes when things aren't quite going our way and we don't really realize why God is either not acting or he's acting in ways that confuse us. And rather than delivering us, it seems like our, our plight is made more difficult. So first of all, uh, these Psalms were uh, a part of our week's reading starting in January 15th. Uh, but Psalm 10, first of all, why Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? That's how the psalm begins. And the psalmist, I love their honesty. They approach God with heartfelt feelings and emotions and put them into words in such a beautiful way. Uh, whatever you're feeling, the psalmist have felt and verbalized, and you'll find it if you start reading. Uh, 
This one is in Psalm 10. Again, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, verse 6 of Psalm 10, nothing will ever shake me. He swears no one will ever do me harm. And it goes on and talks about all the horrible things that he does. And then in verse 11, it makes this statement. He says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. For the psalmist, that's what it feels like. And it could be that the wicked ones that were around him, that he saw prospering as he suffered, may have even said that out loud. God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. Uh, the psalmist uh, or the uh, the Keller's quote from Augustine and talk about two ways to live in society: one based on self-giving, and one based on self-serving. And the psalmist was one who thought self-giving was the way to go, but he looked around and he saw those who were self-serving, serving only themselves and their own selfish desires, prospering much more than he was, and he had a hard time with that. And so in their prayer, the Kellers write, they have a prayer at the end of each daily reading, which I think is very nice. And we'll pray at the end of these on Thursdays. Hopefully I'll remember each week. But the prayer they have on this day, January 15th, at the first half of Psalm 10 is this, Lord, keep me from being either naive about human evil, self-righteous about it, or cynical before it. Don't let me ever get used to injustice or worse become complicit in it. Boy, that is a very powerful prayer. We shouldn't be naive about human evil. It exists, and we see it uh, in horrible ways today, and the psalmist did as well. Uh, we should not be self-righteous about it, like we're proud that there's evil around. The Corinthians did that in 1 Corinthians 5 with a, a couple that were members of their church and were living in adultery very openly, and, and uh, Paul condemns not just the couple, but the church in their response. Or cynical before it. We don't have to be cynical. We we live with the power of Jesus Christ, and so yeah, times are tough. So we don't we don't want to be naive. We don't want to uh, deny it. We acknowledge it. It's that Stockdale paradox um, that has been talked about uh, in uh, leadership books and in in other uh, devotional books that says you, you know when there's when when there's difficult times, you don't you don't deny them. You acknowledge them. But you don't give up hope either. And, uh, and I think that's the key, is to be able to do both. And that's what their prayer calls for, uh, to not uh, get used to injustice and certainly not be a part of it and become complicit in it, but also not to be overwhelmed by it as if God uh, did not exist. Uh, and so they, they say at the end of their prayer, keep, help me to keep loving what you love and hating what you hate. And that's a great prayer to pray. Psalm 10 continues on. In verse 17, the psalmist, uh, perhaps he's been delivered. Perhaps he's just seeing that deliverance coming, realizing maybe he's trying to convince himself. <laughs> I pray those kinds of prayers sometimes. But this is what he says. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. 
defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. That's what the psalmist really believed. And even though he was frustrated by God's inaction, uh, he recognizes that that's where his faith really lies. And he's really willing to confess that faith, even though it doesn't look like on the outside that that's how things are going. That's incredible. That's when faith is really faith. When you're trusting in the Lord and you believe that he's going to make everything right one day, whether you see it or not, you believe that and you live according uh, to that. While the day of justice may still be in the future, the promise of encouragement is in the present. What a great way of saying that. And that's, and that's where our hope is in that promise of encouragement. Um, uh, we look to Jesus as one who suffered unjustly. Isaiah 53 is the chapter that they look at. And, of course, Peter quotes that in First Peter. And we find that message about the suffering Savior uh, so encouraging because it doesn't take away our pain, but at least we know we're not alone in that pain and that Jesus has been there as well. The writer of Hebrews mentions that over and over again. So their prayer is, help me to trust your wisdom and give my heart the encouragement and strength that only you can give. Yeah, we all need that encouragement and strength. Uh, we, we press on, as Philippians 3 says, and, and we give it a go and we give it the old college try and hang in there and all of that, but it's pretty nice to receive an encouraging word every so often, isn't it? Uh, one of our other ministers, Eric and I were, Eric Thornton and I were talking this morning about just being able to be in class and teaching a class and looking out and seeing faces that are engaged and that are that are hopeful and that are taking part in everything that's going on in the class and, and loving the study of the Bible and the encouragement that they receive and give to their fellow class members. That's a great, great blessing. Well, we... We have a few other psalms to look at today. So Psalm 11 is the next one. The psalmist says, In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, Flee like a bird to your mountain? You know that song, right? Some of you do. Many of you probably do. Flee as a bird to your mountain. It's a pretty hard song. Wonderfully written. Very beautiful. Uh, very musical. Um, but uh, sometimes we hear psalms like that or songs like that. And uh, we don't quite get the message. But the message from the psalm, from Psalm 11, is again, in the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? And then he goes on to talk about how the wicked have their bows drawn and they're ready to fight and they're very powerful. And, and, and so you should flee like a bird to your mountain because of fear. And, um, and this is how the psalmist answers it, and it's the right answer. In verse 4 of Psalm 11, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. Again, perhaps the psalmist is trying to convince himself or remind himself, but I think he's announcing it to all of his hearers and to those who are enemies around him who are telling him, hey, why don't you run for, head for the hills, man? Flee like a bird to your mountain because you're so scared and because you're about to get defeated. And the psalmist says, how, how can you say that? How can you say that? Because it's the Lord who is in his holy temple. Uh, the Lord is the one who is on his heavenly throne. It may not look quite like that right now, but it's the truth. Verse 5, the Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. 
Uh, boy, the psalmist is uh, very open about how he feels about God and how he feels about those who are wicked and evil and sneer at God as if he doesn't say, as if he doesn't see. Verse 7 of Psalm 11 says, The Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. The psalmist believed that, and we can too. Uh, we can too. Um, and then uh, he goes to Psalm 12, and that's uh, here's a part of that psalm. Verse 1, Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. <laughs> I love that statement. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. That is, boy, that's when you really feel like you're the only one left. Elijah felt that way. Remember when he was running from uh, Queen Jezebel who wanted to kill him for killing all the prophets in a great action of faith? And then she threatens him and he heads for the hills. He runs for his life. And God helps him through that, what I think is a situational depression. Uh, helps him to get food, help it, helps him to get rest, helps him to get exercise, helps him walking a lot uh, from one place to another, helps him to set some tasks that he can uh, fulfill, uh, assigns him some kings and prophets to, to put in uh, place and to anoint. And, um, and, and, but Isaiah had, uh, uh, Elijah had said, uh, they've killed all your prophets and I'm the only one left and they're after me too. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? It's exactly how the psalmist here feels. So much so that he says, help Lord for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. <laughs> That's such a great psalm. If you want a little smile sometime when you're feeling that way, read Psalm 12, verse 1. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. I think sometimes we feel like that's the truth. Uh, but God told um, uh, Elijah, hey, there's 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal, that false god of the people of the land. And God would say the same thing to us. I've got people that are faithful. You just don't see them, Bill. Uh, you're not around them maybe at this moment, but they're there. They're there. Um, in verses seven and eight, look, you, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. Again, the psalmist doesn't deny that that's what people do and they seem to be getting off scot-free with it. But the psalmist, deep in his heart, knows that God will keep the needy safe and he will protect us from the wicked if we will look uh, to him. Um, and then finally, Psalm 13. And I love the way it starts in verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's just an open and honest uh, response to God, a plea to God, a cry to God because of the suffering that the psalmist was enduring and and the apparent lack of interest and deliverance from God. And so the psalmist wrestles with this and pleads with God and reminds God of everything he's done. And so I want to read this whole psalm, Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. 
Verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. This is likely a psalm of David, and likely David was running for his very life, actually. And so when he says, I might sleep in death if you don't act, God, he's serious about that. And we feel that way sometimes, too. Uh, crying out to God, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Have you ever felt that low? I think we all have at times. Probably some people you know right now that could really use a phone call from you or a text message or a card in the mail in a couple of days saying that you're thinking of them and that you know they're, they're struggling and that you're praying for them. Uh, the psalmist really needed that um, and called on God and reminded God, I'm wrestling in sorrow in my heart. How long will this go on? How long will my enemy triumph over me? But ultimately, ultimately, the faith is there and it's strong. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Psalm 13 is just six short verses, but they're so powerful. Acknowledging the difficulty that we face, wondering aloud why God isn't acting to help us and how long will he wait to do that. But then announcing in faith, I still trust in the unfailing love of the Lord. And not only do I trust, I sing joyfully praise to the Lord because he has been good to me. Uh, what an incredible statement of faith. Let's close with prayer. Father, we, we wonder sometimes too, how long will you wait to act in our behalf? How can you allow those who take advantage of us or those who are evil and wicked in your sight, disobedient to your will, and yet they seem to prosper right along and, and are not held accountable for their sinfulness at all? And Father, we, we wonder out loud with the psalmist. How can you let that go on? Why do you not see our suffering? Why do you not deliver us and bless us like you have promised? But along with the psalmist, Father, we also trust in your unfailing love. We know, Father, that you will make things right uh, in your good time according to your gracious will. And so, Father, we trust in you. We openly praise you. We sing praises to you. We acknowledge that you are the great God. We pray, Father, that you will deliver us. But we also know, we also know that our trust and our faith are completely in you, that the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his throne in heaven. And we praise you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you have a a wonderful week and weekend, and I will see you next week on Tuesday. God bless.